Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, thanks very much for subscribing and sharing and saying all the nice things you do about the podcast. And if you missed the last one, Rodney Marsh was our special guest and he was always is great fun and uh, and interesting to listen to. So check that out. Uh, thanks very much to our sponsors, Howard Solicitors, based in Stockport and also in Ashton and Cheshire, specialising in family law. So if you're going through a separation, which can happen at this time of the year, as we know, or having problems with access to your children or with social services, give them a call. Um, they are national as well. So if you go onto their uh, website, which is howardsolicitors.com, or email them law at howardsolicitors.com and ask for some advice. I'm sure they'll be only too delighted to help, especially if you mention you heard about them on the Forever Blue podcast. Now, my guest this week, my main guest anyway, and that's not to in any way diminish the contributions of my other two guests, is the city legend Paul Lake, who is, uh, of course, not only a pal of mine, but also uh, one of the greatest footballers I've ever seen. So it's always an honour to have Paul with us. And I've done many, many radio shows with him in the past. And commentaries, Paul, we've, we're sick of the sight of me, aren't you? <laughs> Never sick of the sight of you, Cheesy. <laughs> and uh, and to add to the mix, we have Harlan, who is uh, one of my regular contributors to not only this podcast, but also to the YouTube vlogs that I do. And obviously check out the one I did at Leeds yesterday. And also uh, Louisa, who is uh, becoming, fast becoming um, a, a big podcaster and broadcaster herself in the world of Formula One and Formula Two. So she's uh, found a little window to talk to us. Uh, about City this week. Um, so welcome, Louisa. Let me start with you, Paul. Obviously, City have uh, returned with a bang after the World Cup. Uh, great victory and very, very entertaining game, I thought, against Liverpool. And then uh, another very important victory and, frankly, I thought quite a convincing victory against Leeds United. So what did you make of those two returns to action? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in terms of the... Uh... The performance as a whole, and we saw listened to to, um, to Pep speaking post match, and he was he was actually happier with the first half than with the second half, which is quite interesting from you know kind of a layperson's perspective, seeing the goals and um, how he seemed to be um, more efficient and a more clinical second half. Um, I was I, I'm always looking at individual performances. Uh, we, we people have been waxing lyrical about Rico Lewis and rightly so, and and you actually see that fascinating as it as as it is, it feels as though when you become an inverted fullback, that expression that we use a lot, and it's it's come from Pep Guardiola's football, you know, from nowhere else. Um, Rico seems more comfortable than Kyle Walker in in that situation, in my opinion. That's no disrespect to Kyle Walker. Kyle's a fabulous footballer. We all we all know that. And if we're picking our our strongest back four, you'd 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 argue that Kyle's in there, but possibly. However, in certain games, certain situations, I thought that was really really clever. Uh, Pep talked about not being able to drop him because you know he's been playing so well, but actually because of how Leeds set up, just creating that extra body in there, knowing how they'll come at you and they'll, there'll be tackles flying everywhere, lots of free kicks that are going to be given and lots of opportunities to maybe get Kevin on the ball. Um, I thought it was fascinating. Ilkay was very good. Rodri, he's just a sensation, Rodri. It almost feels like he's got that steel of Roy Keane and the passing ability 
And he's probably got more to his game, no disrespect to, to Roy Keane either, but just feels like he's just very, very accomplished. But I really enjoyed the creativity last night and, and the fact that on a different day, we could have been five goals up at halftime against Leeds United. And, and Leeds uh, worked tirelessly and they're very organised and they're compact. But you just felt that, you know, it's the first game back and there was one situation, I don't know if you can all remember it, but last night, but they were, it was about 16, 17 minutes into a game and they had, they had six players pressing us and it was in the, in the, uh, our, our left back position. And we just passed it. We passed it across from Akanji to Ake. I think Jack was in the corner and we came back out to Edis and we just, it was just so controlled. It was so composed and Rico was in the middle of all that as well. You know, it's just the angles, the pass, the weight of the pass, the movement. You know, the fact that you can give somebody the ball in a tight situation back, have it back again and give it back. So all the time, the movement around we don't always see. It's just, it's it's so intelligent. That's the thing that I don't think commentary gives justice to. It feels as if you're watching FIFA all the time, watching Manchester City, because the touch and the passing it is just so, so good. And it it then lends itself to when we do have maybe one or two areas where you're thinking, you know, is is that an area that perhaps perhaps we can improve upon? So as an example, we all I'm sure we all love Jack Grealish and we I'm desperate for Jack Grealish to score more goals and to play well. But it feels like if Phil Foden plays last night, he scores two, three goals. And Therefore, you have to rotate and we scored three and we should, should should have scored a lot more. But you do feel that the more that Jack is playing like that and he does do well and he is he, he does provide assists and he, he is effective. But he's just for me, it's that's the difference why when we're playing our strongest 11, Jack Grealish won't start. And, and, and that's hypercritical, I know, but. He gets those opportunities. He has to score one last night. He has to. He squared one for for um, for Haaland. And every man and his dog knew he was going to square that. And it's not because he can't finish. It's because he's, he is not confident in front of the goal. And that's an area of his game that he has to work on. And if we're thinking about Champions League and getting to those you know, later echelons and even hopefully winning it one day, it's players like Jack Grealish have to do more. They have to score more goals. They have to be more clinical. Riyad Mahrez scored a wonder goal against Liverpool and he needs to do more going that way. Jack does that. He does all that work. But, you know, that's these are the games where, because we're so good, the lens hones in on those little, you know, half a percent here, half a percent there, those marginal gains we talk about. And I, I'm desperate for him. He's a lovely kid. And you just know that he's got so much talent and so much more. But cheesy for me, you know, it just it it it, it almost becomes a spotlight then. And he, you know, he just he needs to do more in front of goal because you know, when we're playing against Arsenal, and, and people are all talking about Arsenal haven't got a strong enough bench and Arsenal this and Arsenal that and Arsenal will fade. I'm telling you now, Arsenal aren't going anywhere. Arsenal are not fading. They are not fading. And if you if you look at how we are, we have to go to Arsenal and beat them. We have we we so the pressure's on us now. We have we can do it. Of course we can do it. But Arsenal are not going to drop two places. They're going nowhere, and and they will be our biggest challenge at the end of the season. 
And that is whether they have injuries or not. Because you look at their team and look at how they play and how confident they are. They are they are almost get, taking a stranglehold of games and they are bullying teams into submission with a young team, with a confident team, with a very, very organised team and with a brilliant manager who's come from we know where. So Jack Grealish in those moments has to be the difference. He can't be a support act. We've got players that are worth £100 million and he's got that talent. He has got to step up. You know, we can't allow, he can't allow himself. He, he has to demand that he's in the starting 11. And that's the reason why you won. And it's those games when we're that good that, and I know I'm, it sounds, I'm, I'm, it's awful because I don't mean to be critical to, to Jack because I know he's a wonderful talent, you know, and, and you want him to be that player. But it's those games that highlight it. Haaland should have scored five last night, you know, by his standards, but he scored a couple. And he was there or thereabouts. You know, Ilkay should have scored that header, you know. But Jack had three chances last night, three chances. And on three occasions, he didn't come up with it. And you watch. When we get to the, the bigger, bigger games, he's not going to be in the starting eleven. And, you know, that's the thing that I want him to improve upon, to work more on his finishing. Because everything else to his game is brilliant, keeps the ball so well, moves it well. You know, and we've not talked about... Riyad Mahrez, who, you know, again, I think he's he's a confidence player, but played really well. So our defence looks good, whether we bring in, whether we bring in Diaz, whether we, whether we bring in Laporte. I always like a left-sided player playing as a centre-half, so whether it's Ake or Laporte. Rico Lewis has been a sensation and a real headache for Pep in a good way. The midfield, with whether it's with that three, which is incredible, and there's that, that other little player that we don't talk much about, Bernardo Silva, who... Does he start? You know, yeah, probably. You know, fantastic. That 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 area is all sorted. It's it's those wide players. It's Haaland, it's Phil, and it's who. And that's these are the games that we'll will we'll, we'll iron that out. And at the moment, the way Jack is, I just feel that that's the he just needs to take those chances. On the subject of Rico Lewis, and I agree, he's been a sensation. I think that's uh, the right word to use since he's come in. I thought he was outstanding at Leeds United. Um, and, he, and he does tuck in. He is the inverted fullback, exactly as you said. I wonder whether Pep had already been planning for that because he's been playing John Stones at right back in a... Th- well, not right back, but the right side of a three. And... C seems to have acclimatised now to that role. So I wonder whether he's either looked at Rico Lewis or obviously did it a bit with Zinchenko, didn't he, and played with the three and took Zinchenko into that extra midfielder. Um, you're right, though, Paul. He's, he's, first of all, made a big impact and he certainly is a Pep Guardiola-type player, isn't he? And maybe that's where Jack Grealish's weakness is in that for all his talent... Is he really a Pep Guardiola player? Because when you watch the team play, it's one touch, it's two touch all the time. And the number of times that Grealish gets the ball and then sort of cuts inside, weaves his way past about four players and then either passes it back or sideways. And you think that isn't the Pep way. Pass it first time, pass, move, pass, move. Is that where he's falling down? And is that what the great asset of Rico Lewis is? Well, probably somewhere in between. 
And, and the reason why I say that, Paul, is because there are times where Jack does try to uh, lend it the ball into that kind of striker's area, but Haaland's not there. So a couple of times he's tried to do that and given the ball away. But if you watch his his kind of heat map, will be receiving the ball in a wide area and fullbacks being really tight and doubling up. And he ends up running back 10 yards, maybe running across the pitch and passing it to the opposite side fullback. And then if he joins in and is receiving the ball again, that doesn't really tend to happen. So it's almost like you can predict a lot of what he does. It's when he gets in that, in those final sort of 20 yards where his final ball, you know, has often been good in the first half, not so much second half, it was excellent. And he has got that strength to his game, Jack, but it's in front of goal where just having that conviction, you don't feel like he thinks he's going to score a goal. And in terms of Rico Lewis, What's nice now is the fact that with Cancelo and with Rico, he's got options there. Kyle doesn't really feel comfortable going as an inverted fullback. Zinchenko could do that. Cancelo can do that. Rico can do that. That's not a criticism of uh, of Kyle, but it does mean that you've got that option. You can change that. So in a game situation, you can create overload straight away, whilst also knowing that in those wide areas, the service into the wide man is still going to be very, very good because Jack's comfortable in that situation. Uh, Nathan Ake is comfortable in that situation. You've also got, um, in in terms of Emery Laporte, you've got a diagonal, which John Stones doesn't have in his locker and Diaz doesn't really have in his locker. Kyle um, Emery has got that 70-yard diagonal pass. So you think about it already. And what we don't talk about is that we're talking about how our defensive line, what attacking options they bring to our team. So we're not talking about how they defend. We're not talking about how solid they are. We're talking about how Rico, how, um, you know, well, all of our back line, what they do that changes defence into attack. Yeah, so it's, you know, so from a tactical perspective, it's exciting because we're talking about how we play forward, how we can create, our defenders create opportunities, how... Edison creates attacking opportunities. So everything is about playing forward, looking forward, playing forward, and creating opportunities to be able to break the lines, get forward and create goal-scoring chances. So if you think about it, our defence, almost the first thing we're thinking about is how can we get forward? How can we play forward? How can we turn defence, if you will, or a back line into a front line in two passes or three passes or even less? And that is where Rico, he talks about Rico's intelligence, Zinchenko's intelligence. You know, we've got we've got that. And like you said there, you've also got underpinning that the confidence to know that you've got John Stones, you've got Diaz, you've got Laporte, who can also play as a three. But then you've got John, John can step in and play as a midfield player if he wanted to. You know, Diaz has done that as well. You know, you probably say that our absolute defenders are really Diaz and Ake. Whereas the others are almost like a sweeper come defensive midfield player. And in 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 our, our fullbacks, in Cancelo and Rico, you've actually got midfield players, you know, or additions to the midfield. So we're creating overloads, Cheesy, in, in positions that we never really thought about. But for teams that are trying to sort of defend against us. And that's where teams have improved over the last two seasons in stopping us from playing. That also brings another headache 
You know, is Rico going to play as a right back? Is he going to step inside? If he steps inside, how do they react to that? And then what spaces does that create as a as a as a as a consequence of of just that one player stepping into that space more often? You know, and that's all it takes is that overload to create one chance to score one goal to win one game. And that's the challenge. And that's why I love the intelligence of it. Because as a manager like Marsh last night thinking, how do I combat that? Leeds one of the fittest teams in the league. But they had no answer. They had no answer to us. And that is, you know, about, you know, demanding the ball, controlling the game, taking a stranglehold of the game. That is what City do. That is what Arsenal are doing. That's what Liverpool have done in the past. And they're slowly regaining their form. But that's what makes watching our games so much more than winning a game and playing nice football. If you look beneath the surface, you see the intelligence of Pep Guardiola's play. And I just get so excited. And you think of Rico Lewis. Rico Lewis looked like he was a 28-year-old footballer about that last night. Didn't he? You know, let's be honest. He didn't look out of place at all. You know? And that, again, just shows you that the trust in the formation and the philosophy, it brings an assurance and a competence. And whereas the 12th man used to be, well, for some teams, it still is the crowd. And we love our atmosphere to be amazing. Our 12th man is our philosophy. And that is the reason why we are better than the majority of teams that we'll ever come up against, in my opinion. Brilliant analysis. I'm going to ask you about another player in a minute, but I want to bring the other two in now and give them an opportunity to chat to you because I know that uh, we've got you about another 15 minutes or so and then uh, I know you've got a family commitment. So I really appreciate you taking time out with us, Paul. So uh, Harlan, you want to ask Paul something? Yeah. You've obviously listened intently to what he's had yeah. to say. I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by what he has to say. Yeah, absolutely. No, brilliant, Paul. Honestly, really, really good analysis of, of, of how we are currently finding ourselves playing and not only that how we how, how I think we've we've seen our side evolve over the last couple of years because a lot of what we're seeing now is coming to fruition as a result of what Pep's instilled over the last you know six six years seven seasons which which is a lot longer than we thought we were gonna have him for let's be honest um we all thought that Pep was coming in for four years maybe three years and a, and a one-year extension and then probably going to move on or maybe move to to somewhere else he stayed for much longer than he thought. And I think that, Paul, goes back to what you were just saying, pal, about the fact that I think he knows how much work he's put in and doesn't want to kind of leave that that one unfinished, two without a Champions League, which he mentioned in his press conference last week that you were at, Ian. And, mm. and, and, and three, because he knows that he can do more than what any team has ever done before in terms of taking a team from where we were to where we are now. I mean, we were decent under Mancini and Pellegrini. But I think we were playing football that we'd seen before in, in many ways. Now we're playing, like you say, football that, that we've never really seen before. <clears throat> and a football that I don't think, like you said, many sides can cope with. Uh, just going back to Jack, um, I remember a goal he scored against Leipzig last year. We won 6-3, didn't we, in, in Kunku, who's going to move to Chelsea, I think, and a stormer. And it was the one time I've seen Jack, I think he beat a man, <clears throat> sorry, stood a man up and got inside his man and whip one into the far post. And I've not seen him do that anywhere near enough. Why is that, Paul? Why why we're seeing it once and then not again, really? I think it's it's probably down to a, a couple of things. And 
as 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 weird as it sounds, it's still going to be a confidence element to all of that. And you know, being in that in that moment and feeling good in that moment. And we do tend to ruminate, you know, all of us in terms of our jobs and what we do. And we think, oh, I could have done that better, I could have done this better, why didn't I try that? You know, and those those re- that's where we reflect and we learn from those reflections. But with the footballer, you in that situation, you've also got the emotional attachment to that. And I think when you overthink things, you know, it almost like becomes a block sometimes. And and I'm not I'm just sort of suggesting that as the standards around Jack is recognised, I mean, Jack's got a wonderful first touch. And we've seen sometimes he's been on these video clips of him keeping the ball up with, with, with Phil Foden in England. And you see a, what an amazing touch he's got. But even the players around him, you know, the standards that high, that having to be that good and having to be that consistent means that keeping the ball fundamentally is what he does really, really well. He buys free kicks all the time, doesn't he, for us? And, and, and Pep will always talk about how in those moments, Jack keeps the ball and travels with the ball such that we can get higher up the pitch and we can create situations elsewhere. So he, he is effective. But in terms of what we want to see more from Jack is maybe in the first instance, you know, from the old school days of when I played and belong before that, is if once you get beyond that fullback in that first five minutes straight away, you're asking questions. And so what's the next time you get the ball? What will he do? So all of a sudden he's thinking, do do I go tight, do I drop it? All these things. And with Jack, I think when he does give the ball away, that's also been highlighted. And and, and I think it's probably more a case of him trying to be more efficient. You know, but I don't know about you, but I almost get the impression that Jack's always looking over at the dugout to see what what response he's getting. He's like his his dad, the coach. But But he needs to do, he, Helen, he needs to do, he needs to do more individually. And when you see that when he does create assists, and he does do that well, yeah. you want to build on that confidence. But it's almost like, if we're honest, 1v1 situations in the past when Jack's played at Villa, and other, you always fancy him. Now in those situations, because he'll always end up on his left foot, I just don't feel like he has that, that, that confidence in those moments. And he'd rather, you know, still be brilliant enough to create things for other players, but not take on the ownership himself. So I think he needs to step up to the plate more now. You know, we've gone beyond the hundred million pound because that's what City had to pay. You know, and that's what his his you know he would offer most teams. You know, eight seventy eighty million is what you get for a Jack Grealish these days. He needs to put that to one side and think about where where are the focuses for my game now? What do I need to do more of? Not to justify any prices, just so that he can be more impactful. Because unfortunately. He's probably doing enough enough for the team, but when it comes to that 11, when it comes to that England position, he's not doing enough to justify that. Yeah. So he needs to take more risks. You know, in the final third, you don't mind taking risks there. So why is he not? You know, but maybe, maybe Harlan, maybe it's that team ethic. Maybe he wants to make sure that we are beating teams. So the flip side to that, there was, there was a, when Liverpool played the other night and I saw some of the game, there was a situation where I'm not sure what, Antonio Antonio was through. Was it was it Tim? I don't know maybe was it? Yeah, but Antonio was through on the right hand side, and his wide left player, whoever that was, you know, if he squares that, and and the commentator um, Ali McCoy was saying, "Oh, as a striker, you're not going to square it there," and he didn't take the chance. And it's about putting teams to the sword. And I'm thinking whether Jacks probably. I'm taking a risk there. Therefore, unless it's right in front of goal, I take a chance. But otherwise, I'm yeah. always going to pass it. 
So are you thinking then, Paul? Sorry, Louisa. Are you thinking then? So like when he's when he's like say attacking that half space, for example, or receives the ball on the half turn. And I, one one thing I love about Jack is is that he never stops the ball dead and then resets and then goes again because he knows that's going to give the fullback or the, the, the pressing midfielder an opportunity to, to get at him. So he always, what I love about him is he always takes the ball on the run or on the turn. His first touch is always out of his feet and he always, it's always the the, the trampoline touch, as I, mm. as I call it, where he, he almost springs off. Then when he gets beyond, he's got that advantage then. Then you're looking for that next touch, which has then got to be inside. So it's all going to be one move. It's got to be a trampoline touch out of his feet, then a touch inside the fullback, and then maybe look to release the ball or let fly. And mm. sometimes he takes an extra touch. And then he sometimes, for me, decides to then chop again and try and go to the byline and put himself on his left foot for then a square ball. And you think, is that because he's scared of maybe not getting the shot, not executing it correctly, as you've just eloquently alluded to, Paul, um, over trying to get to the byline, playing a square ball for a Haaland to maybe tap in for a guaranteed goal. And it's that it's that cutthroat, um, it's that cutthroat me, me, me syndrome that Jack needs to start to suffer from. And you wouldn't normally use the word suffer to, to you know, in a positive way, but he needs to start suffering from that kind of, I want to be that, uh, that £100 million player. I want to be that selfish player. There's a reason why Cristiano Ronaldo, whether you love him or hate him, became, for me, the second best player in the world and became as high profile as he did. And that is because, although it's it's been his downfall at times, he became quite selfish on a football pitch, but also at times did deliver for the team. So I think yeah, Jack's going um, to become a bit more arrogant. You mentioned there, and again, it's probably in terms of patterns of play in training situations where he gets to, to the byline and he's, he sees things and he's created things because in that split second of how quick you are and, and your balance and your poise and be able to make the right pass with the with, with the right weight, all those things, those probably all those patterns of play are, are, are what he has done in training and in certain games, and that's worked really well. Just very, very quickly, I also like players who stop the ball dead and can still move it, and that's what Messi does. And, and literally by stopping the ball dead, you know, you are committed then as a defender. You think I've got you here. And how many times people thought they've got mess in the oven, you know, and that's because he stops the ball dead, but he's already thinking about moving the ball again. And he's using your body movement and your body position and his awareness and his wing mirrors, his David Silver wing mirrors, you know, to be able to then, you know, manipulate the ball or even just manipulate his body and not even move the ball. You know, Jack's difficult for Jack because he gets bullied a lot because in that corridor, he's got no real space to move into. His heels are on the dead, dead ball line. So all he can do is take the ball back that way and try and play the ball. The thing with Jack is, is that often it, it, it becomes an arc where he goes back towards his defence. But it, if he mixes his game up more, like to that trampoline ball, that one-two, but then getting beyond people and moving the ball more. You know, that's the thing. He's got the pace. He's got a good touch. But sometimes, let the ball do the work. If he if he mixes his game up more, I think he'll be more effective. But again, I'm being hypercritical to a top player and he's been brilliant for us, you know. But that'll be the difference between him and Phil Foden is that Phil is as good as Jack and will score far more goals and be more trust, you know, more trustworthy in in front of goal. What about you, Louisa? I mean, you've been kept on the, the bench here for a bit, um, so I'm going to bring you off the bench here and let you uh, tell us what you've thought or what you've heard and what you'd like to contribute to this debate. 
Um, well, uh, first of all, sorry, Jack, but, you know, I wasn't for him coming to City in the first place. I, I actually didn't feel like he would fit in. Um, so for me, um, and, and, you know, sort of trying to summarise and, and add a bit myself to what you've all been saying is he absolutely needs to raise his game to this Manchester City level. Uh, he's too hot and cold for me. So, yeah, one minute on the pitch, he's doing something amazing and fantastic and either assisting, passing the ball, moving it around, you know, doing a similar thing to, to what Paul said, you know, a messy thing. Sometimes you can see him already on his next move when somebody's approaching him. Um, but last night, I think I counted four chances that he'd missed. And But, you know, I don't trust him on the ball. And I'm surprised when he does something great because it's so rare. But it shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be surprised that he's done something great. He should just be doing something great all the time, you know, not only because of the money that he costs, but because he's now in an exceptional Manchester City football team. Um, there are some really great things about him, as you've said. He's incredibly strong. He doesn't go down easily. He does get targeted quite a lot. And he was bullied quite a lot last night in some quite unfair and bad tackles. Um, and And... Partly you don't notice that because he does get up, you know, or he does shake it off. Um, but I also think it's a bit disrespectful and a little bit disgusting to even sort of pat him on the head and, you know, and shake his hair like like the, the guy did last night. I, I think that's that's horrible behaviour. That's almost as bad as a tackle. Um, but, you know, but for me, he, he's playing. It's still not good enough. He was really, really great at Villa. He was great as a big fish in a little pond. But can he be this little fish in a big pond? And I, I, you know, I want to ask Paul, if he hasn't learned Pep's way by now, can he change his game? Can he learn it? It's interesting, Louisa, because uh, where we see Jack play, it, it's almost like the options that he has in that corridor are quite, with there being a corridor, actually quite narrow. There's a couple of times where he breaks free and he he, he manages to get into central areas and you see a real sort of, you almost feel like he comes to life. Don't know if you remember in the derby, um, he got the ball in central areas on a couple of occasions and did that really, really well. And, you know, he's able to then get into central areas and you almost feel that. And I don't want to lose really good players because you always want them to succeed. Is that... You know, is Jack Grealish, you know, ever going to really fulfil his potential in a City shirt? Pep Guardiola has polished his game. Um, but if we're all honest, and if Jack is honest, you know, Jack, Jack said, if you ask Jack, if you went somewhere else, would Manchester City really, really miss you? And the answer is, I'm, you know, I know I'm a very good player, but they wouldn't. You know, whereas with Phil, with Haaland, with Kevin, we know that wouldn't be the case. You know, and and you're you're often wondering whether because we know Phil could step into a, a six or an eight and use the ball really really well, um, but I just don't feel that Jack's ever going to really maximise his potential in a city shirt playing in in wide areas. My one thing is that there are occasions where we can look to play forward earlier, and he can change his body position. You know, and he can just keep the fullback guessing, but he does become predictable. And Mares also can get bullied. I think Mara, the difference between Jack and with Mares is, you know, some of the some of the passes that that Mares is able to play. You know, as an example, he took a quick free kick into Haaland, and Haaland took the ball on his chest and couldn't quite get the volley away. That's where 
Haaland's game is changing and evolving because he's receiving balls in areas he didn't get it. He would not, not normally get it. You know, talk about I have a needle passes that, that Kevin is playing through to Haaland. So Haaland's touch has got to improve. And Haaland's touch can still improve, by the way, as good as he is. We know that. There are occasions where things actually come unstuck because his final touch isn't quite there. When you've got a monster of a man that's got all the attributes that he's got, you know, and he's still got humility recognised, I can still improve upon that. But for Jack, for, I, I just feel that 1v1 situations as a wide player, you've got to exploit that as and when you can. And what that does is, not only does it undermine the, the fullback, it asks questions of that side centre-half and that side fullback. So what we don't, what we can't be too critical of at times is where Jack has two and three players around him. But the intelligence there is that when Messi has that or other players have that, is that they don't just become isolated and, and keep the ball. They still can then, you know, by their movement, be in a situation where they can still get into the box or get into a position to receive the ball again. I just think Jack needs to do more off of the ball as well as on the ball. And like I say, the clinical side to his game is something that needs to improve. Unfortunately for Jack, because the team is so good, when there are chinks in the armour, as I said before, the spotlight, you know, is manifest and he needs to find a way. You know, if he's scoring 10 goals a season, Bernardo was scoring 10 goals a season, David Silva was scoring 10 goals a season, Yaya Torre, you know, all our players, they were all contributing. It was never just Sergio, even though Sergio was scoring lots of goals. We scored goals from all areas of the pitch. And Jack needs to recognise that that is the biggest area to his game for me. If he if he's more clinical, you know, and takes those chances and takes those risks, as Harlan was saying, I think that will be the difference. But um, yeah, that's that's my my thoughts on Jack. And I feel like I'm I'm, I'm criticising him, you know, undeservedly. And I know we all know how great player he is and what a great character he is. But I think most importantly, he knows he knows that he needs to do more. So it'll be exciting now to see what he does differently. Because if he doesn't, maybe the season comes and goes and maybe, you know, things players have moved on and who knows, you know, he could be one of them. Final question, Paul, because I know you've got um, time restraints today. And again, big thanks to, to coming on. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Bernardo Silva. Um, earlier on in the chat, you said something like, you know, if he starts, or I can't remember exactly the expression you used. For me, Bernardo Silva is Mr. Consistency. Mm. He, you know, um, is, is a beautiful... He talked about Jack Grealish might not get in your first choice 11 at the moment. Bernardo would be in my first choice, choice 11 every single time. There are still rumours uh, that he might go, maybe even in January. I just wonder what your thoughts are. I mean, I don't want him to go. He'll be the last player I want to see go. Yeah. Um, what, what I'm saying as you, I wouldn't want him to go. And obviously, we're looking at Ilka Gundogan, who's been a fantastic servant. To begin with, he was he was the whipping post for lots of fans. Uh, did his ACL and came back, and you know he's been an incredible servant. Again, Pat Guardiola's first signing. There's no coincidence to that. But he is coming towards the end of his time at City, so you'd feel that you know with players of that standard. Bernardo would probably start for me in you know a starting eleven. Though it, it's tough because Ilkay does give something different to Bernardo. But Rodri and Kevin will start, and then it's 
I don't like Bernardo playing higher up the pitch as much as he can do. I prefer him to be more involved. Maybe if Jack was more involved in central areas, maybe he was given that opportunity, maybe you might see something different. And he has got the ability to be able to do that. We just don't know because he hasn't played there. But in terms of Bernardo Silva, yeah, I, I think he is a player that would have to start. As I say the, the team doesn't pick itself as in central areas. And with Akanji and Ake, you just don't know what, what Pep's thinking. You know, we're not even talk, spoken about Diaz even coming in yet. You've got Rico Lewis, who then begs the question, again, is it, does Rico Lewis play more against the technical sides rather than Kyle Walker? And that's what a thing to say. You know, and I don't, again, no disrespect to Kyle Walker because, you know, he's, he's a fantastic footballer. But the questions will be around those wide, that, wide, that one wide area. And at the moment, what I don't want to do is have, say, a Phil Foden and Bernardo because he doesn't want to drop Bernardo. I want Bernardo to be playing in a central area. So I think there's a decision that has to be made there. But yeah, for me, Bernardo Silva would, would start. If I, had, if I had to pick a start in 11, Bernardo, it would be Bernardo, Rodri and Kevin. You know, and that's tough because Ilkay is a fantastic footballer. But, you know, you come back to it is that when you think about the work rate that Bernardo has and the engine that Jack has, you feel like Jack's almost stifled playing in that wide area that he could actually offer more to somebody else. And maybe that's something for the benefit of his career mm -hmm. because Pep's taking him up to a level now with all of that technical nous that he's got maybe playing for somebody else in a more central area, he could really, really flourish. So maybe some other club will benefit from the best of Jack Grealish and not Manchester City. Although he's not letting us down, but he just needs to do more. Paul, can't tell you how much I appreciate your time Paul. today. Um, all the best for 2023. Yep. Uh, pass on my best wishes to your good lady and your family. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks That's a lot. That's great. Nice life. to see you all. Happy Christmas and Cheers, all Paul. the new year. Take care. Have a good one, mate. Cheers. Ta-ra, mate. So as we wave goodbye to, to Paul, uh, obviously I've still got Louisa and Harlan with me. And one player that I Paul mentioned there, which is um, the wonderful Ilkay Gundogan, who um, I, I, I admit I've got a vested interest here. Ilkay was born in Gelsenkirchen in Germany, which is where my mother was from. Um, so therefore, um, I have a bit of a, uh, you know, a kindred spirit, if you like, with him. And he wears the number eight shirt and he's captain in the team at the moment. So in every single level, as part from him being a great footballer, um, uh, he's a bit of a hero of mine, Ilkay Gundogan. Um, and he had a magnificent game again last night. Now, before I bring in Harlan in, because let me ask uh, Louisa, um, who's used to speaking now to, you know, high profile people within her sport, which is, well, I know that football is your sport as well, Louisa, but, you know, the other major love of your life, which is, um, you know, motor racing. And you see understudies coming in. You see people developing and, and lack of confidence in certain situations and all that sort of thing. So I wonder, you might have an insight without talking too much about Formula One, because obviously it's a Manchester City podcast, but you might have some insights in, you know, what it's like to be a Rico Lewis to come in and uh, or, or to have a high expectation on you like Grealish has got because of the £100 million price tag, because that's, that happens in motor racing too, doesn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of in and around the Formula Two paddocks, which is directly under Formula One, and and it's now considered a feeder series. So, you know, for most of those drivers coming up into Formula One, they are coming through those ranks below Formula Four, Three, then Two. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I I'm seeing now the next sort of F1 star um, in Logan Sargent, who who's now driving for Williams uh, this season coming up, and and he's been through the ranks. He's a young American lad um and and straight away I, th I think though to, to to start with I think that you you can have a bit of a knack and a bit of a flair or a bit of an eye for somebody and a bit of a feel for somebody and one of the reasons why I've always loved football for for most of my life is you know I could watch a sort of a a, a division sort of three match or, or four match and you'd spot someone and you'd spot a player and you just have this feeling about him and you'd be watching him off the ball as well as on the ball and you'd, you'd want him to do well and then you'd see him coming up the ranks and eventually it'd end up in the first division or, the, or now the Premier League um, and I feel that's a very natural instinct to have so I've always felt I've had that um, in football and in, in motor racing and yes I can see these guys coming up through the ranks and you can see how special they are even though they're in, they're in equally matched cars in, in the below formulas uh, they all have the same chassis although the teams can still tweak and still obviously have tire strategies as well um but you can definitely see the the differences in these drivers you can even see the differences in the in their attitudes and the small sort of team of people that they might have around them you know do they have a physio in in the garage do they not you know and i even feel like well not physio but a sports coach and, and i always feel like the guys that have a sports coach have an even bigger advantage so there are certain elements that come together for drivers and then for players and uh, you know in the same for football players they can excel and gain confidence and be really really great in in their little pocket in their little you know wherever they are um and and they can excel and excel and excel and get to a point where you come in like like Harland has and he he doesn't to me he hasn't needed to sort of settle in he's just in he's just a natural he's a natural gifted player anyway come on who could who can who can ever argue against that nobody can not one person but he's just settled in and he's just perfect and I want to hopefully I might get a bit of an opportunity to talk a bit more about him before before we finish the show wax lyrical, wax lyrical Louisa before oh. <laughs> because I'm sure he'll want to talk about the man who sounds like Harlan Howland, Howland. Do you know if if you go if, if anyone that's listening goes back to pretty much every single podcast I've been on, what is the one thing I have repeated over and over and over again? Is Manchester City need a player that is tall, that is big, that is gonna fly towards players, bear down upon those defenders like they're not even there, like they don't exist. What have we got? We've got Harlan. He's come, my prayers are answered i was so happy i was so happy when, when we when we signed him i was like this is it this is the guy this is the one i've been wanting for all these years we've been doing this podcast he's big he's strong defenders are thinking twice when he's coming towards them he's between players like they don't even exist his legs are all over the place and he's accurate you know he's flinging his legs around and he's scoring goals it's just magic oh my gosh Last night, chance in the first minute, yes, yeah, stopped by the goalkeeper. All right, everyone can say, yeah, he should have had that. 
but if he's scoring goals at other moments, then that's that's all you want, isn't it? You don't want somebody missing chances and not scoring at all. You want someone that's missing chances because he's taking them. He's taking the chances and he's going to pop at least two in, three in, whatever. Even one nil is good enough for a win. So one goal is great from him. I don't care how the results come. The end of that season, if we're champions, who cares we win one nil? Who cares we win six nil? always watching that ball if you watch him off the ball so you know especially if if you obviously you're there live you can see everything on that pitch but even on the tv because he's mostly in the screen you watch him off that ball he's constantly thinking constantly watching his eye is right on people's feet and you know what I think he also reads he doesn't just read the game he knows them other players so so well already that he knows what they're going to do he's preempting what they're going to do and that's the success of Haaland as well and that's the success of a lot of the players that we've got because they know each other that well that they know what they're thinking of course a lot of things are created on the practice ground on the practice field these guys aren't mind readers but for the majority it's football's an instinct so they're going with that instinct but he missed um he missed what did he miss about four last night four chances but he still scored two and I'm not sure if he picked up an injury at the end towards the end when he did get floored a bit uh, he was a bit doubled over towards the end not sure if he was just working a bit hard and he was tired but let's hope that it's just a niggle it's nothing major for our next game against Everton and then the next one against Chelsea um, but um, so I'm wax lyrical now about Harlan Erling welcome home I'm so happy you're here Thank goodness I could talk about him. He's my hero. Um, and then <laughs> who else we talk about? Gundogan. I do not want to lose Gundogan. Go back two, three years of me and Harlan having this great conversation about Future Boy. I will never forget that that podcast that we did. We already saw what Gundogan could do. He was very different to the rest of the Manchester City team. Um, and we could see how different he was. And now, if you, he, he's stealth-like. He He's working so hard and doing so much on that pitch that you don't even notice really because you're literally watching the action because it's going that quick these days that you're not realising he's he's kind of involved because the commentators don't even have time anyway to say his name. But he's so stealth-like. Please, we don't want to lose this guy. And he's such a gorgeous, generous guy anyway. He's great for the community. He's great for a club like City. And he's great for a city like Manchester. So do everything you can to keep him. Missed his own chance, missed a header, didn't he? But uh, what what a shame. But he's not there necessarily to score those goals. What he's there to do is to create them and to be all over that pitch. And he's incredibly strong. You rarely see that guy on the floor. In fact, I do think people think twice about tackling him as well because he rarely gets any tackles, doesn't it? I don't know if you noticed, he just stays on his feet. Um, and then we've talked about Mares. Um <laughs> He missed after asking for the ball, wasn't quite in the right place for it. For me, Mares still isn't quite a City player. He's still not a team player. And I just wish it a click for him. Um, he's he's magic. He, he is an amazing player, but he could be better because he passes too quickly. He used to be, he used to have a very bad habit of getting the ball, but then passing it back all the time. And you're like, no, we're moving forward. You just stop the momentum. And it used to really irritate me how we how he was going forward, stop it, and then pass it back again. You're like, no. But now he's going forward with it. Great. But I still think he's very, very afraid of being tackled. He's completely opposite to Grealish like that. Uh, Grealish 
keeps the ball and gets tackled and gets floored quite a lot. Mares does not want to be tackled. He lets it go too quickly. He wants the glory. Still not into that. He wants to go for the, the goal all the time. Still not quite a team player, but Mares can do better. So, right, I think I took enough time. Go on, Harlan, the floor's yours. <laughs> well, I want to bring Harlan in. I've got to say, God, I've missed you on this podcast. I just love that passion and that analysis that you brought to the table, Louisa. Um, I don't want the Formula One season and the Formula Two season to come mm -hmm. back. We need you on this podcast. Right, Harlan, off you go. I agree with what you said about Maris in a sense, Louisa, um, in terms of the fact that there's a literal side to players' games, especially under Pep. See it at Bolton a lot under Ian Ebert. You know, a lot of players listen to what the manager's instructions are and then take them as textbook. Like, he's basically said, I need to pass a lot in this game. and I need to keep possession. Therefore, every time I receive the ball in a good area, I will pass. No. Attack the fullback if it's on. Don't attack him if it's not. And pass if you need to pass, but then go and do the job that you are wanting to do. I go back to the Omri thing a lot on this podcast that he said about Pep. And it's that Pep will get you to the third, to the final third. And what you do in that final third has got to be down to you. Do you know what I mean? It's like a magician can be mentored in his early career as a magician by other magicians. But then when it gets to that final big stage appearance at the Apollo or something, he's got to pull out tricks nobody's seen before. And it, it, that's what we're looking for, for from our Jacks and our Mahrez's. And, our, our, you know, Bernardo Silva does it anyway. And David always did it. He was always doing it. But I want you to do what I'm asking you to do to a certain point. And then you've got to be Riyad Mahrez. I don't want you to be anybody else. I don't want you to be Neymar. I don't want you to be Lionel Messi. I want you to be Mahrez. What is, why is Mahrez better than anybody else in that area of the pitch? So I agree with what you're saying there. Sometimes he tries to move the ball on too quick. Maybe he doesn't show enough flair at times. In terms of Jack, we've already covered Jack a lot on the podcast. Um, I just think, and I've said it before, and if people want to go back and listen to the podcast from about eight, eight podcasts ago or something, I've mentioned about Jack moving more central. There's not a place in the team for him more central though, because of how, you know, like kind of populated it is. And if Ilkay was to move on and we weren't to go out and get Bellingham, maybe that is a position that Jack could move into. However, like Paul said, maybe with the nose that he's, you know, he's got from Pep, the extra quality that he's, he's gained mentally now from Pep, a career somewhere else, I, I, I honestly believe he'd be absolutely outstanding somewhere else, maybe not just stuck out on that left-hand side and, and being being swallowed up by people. But, um, yeah, performance-wise last night, I thought it was, good. I thought it was really good. Um, by no means our, our most clinical performance. Like you said, Ireland, five chances, two goals. But 20 goals at this stage, 14 games, 25 in all comps. Actually outrageous. Um, you know, I mean, Alan Shearer and him have got a nice bond. I saw that on Amazon. They seem to have a really nice bond and they built that up through the interview that they did. And I'm sure that over time um, that will strengthen. And I like that strikers union. Uh, I always like seeing strikers, rate strikers and that kind of thing. But he's a phenomenon and he's somebody that I believe is definitely not. You know, when you look at a player and you think there's no way he's the age that they're saying he is. Something's gone a bit wrong there at the passport office. Alan's not 22 because he doesn't play like he's 22. And he, 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 he doesn't, he's not built, like Louisa said, like he's 22. And he's almost like, you know, I, I, I don't even think Erling Haaland's mum gave birth to him. I think he was he was built in a workshop or something. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't mean any offence by that. I mean, Alfie's, you know, wife at the time, you know, whoever she is, you know, well done for, 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 for giving birth to such a phenomenon. 
but I'm convinced that there was some mechanical work done in a laboratory somewhere with him because he's, he's like nothing you've ever seen before. Um, a like world class like player, Captain man. America, like Captain yeah, America, yeah, just like a superhero type player. And I, I think sometimes, I mean, a lot of fans from other clubs call him an alien, um, like he's a machine. And I think you you look at that and think, my my word, how much better can he get? You know, like Levod Le, 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 Levod Lewandowski, um, you know Miroslav Klose. You look at you know the other you know the other great players. Really, I mean, Omri was always great, wasn't he? Aguero got better as his career went on. So you know that that development's going to come. But the fact that I think Haaland's the best 22-year-old striker we've ever seen in world football. You know, Zlatan was a late developer. You know, another powerhouse, big boy, really eloquent with his feet, also really good in the air. Haaland is going to get scarily better. And I think what fans have got to be careful of, though, on the flip side of that is, if he scores 40 this season, don't expect him to do it every season. Because, because... He isn't going to score hat trick after hat trick every season, you know. You, 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 you know, if, he, if, if, for example, this year he scores forty goals and next year he scores twenty five and only scores fifteen in the league, um, it might just be that other players scored them goals. Um, the goals were more evenly distributed. Doesn't mean he's a poorer player than this season, um, but as a, as a striker, he is going to get much better uh, over time. He'll learn the other sides. The, of the, the game. one word of caution I'd bring in is. Uh, he got a bit of an injury yesterday, and hopefully he's okay, as Louisa mentioned. Yeah. Uh, but because of his physique, because he's so big, if he was to get a serious injury, I wonder whether that, I mean, that's the last thing in the world that we want to happen, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But if he was to get some sort of serious injury, whether that would take away some of his, you know, what his attributes, which are all about, not all about, but a lot of it is about his physicality. I mean, he's he's just a man mountain and he's he's frightened of nothing and throw himself into every single situation. So that that is a slight concern I have. And the other thing that I want us to talk about just to finish off this podcast yeah. is that when Julian Alvarez comes back from uh, Argentina and obviously he's just won the World Cup with them and, he's a, uh, and now his reputation has gone through the roof, um, is Pep going to try to play two strikers? Is that why Rico Lewis is being mentored into an extra midfielder? Um, you know, and, and, and is a two-striker system going to work? I mean, I have no doubt whatsoever that against the vast majority of the teams that City are going to play in, in the Cups, although we seem to draw one of the uh, the top four or five every time that they come out of the hat at the moment with Liverpool and Chelsea in, in all these competitions. But generally, the, the standard opposition you'd play in the Cups, uh, apart from the, right at the end, and the competition you would play in your bread and butter Premier League games, dare I say like Everton on, on the New Year's Eve, um, it doesn't matter you know, if a player has an off day, it doesn't matter if you play with two strikers, four midfielders, it doesn't matter what, City is so superior to the opposition that they will win no matter what. But when it comes to the big decisive moments, the latter stages of the, the Champions League, the crunch games in, in the Cups, etc., you know, is it, will, will, will you, do you think it would work with two strikers who are yeah. playing that way? That's the question. Yeah, yeah look, in the 3-5-2, um, or a three, four, one, two. You obviously got you, you've obviously got your wing backs, and then you've got a back three, a solid back three. You look at Akanji, you look at Aki, you look at Stones. None of them really deserve to sit out and not play. 
because they all look brilliant in 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 in, in their own way at, at different times and especially the partnerships. It looks like Pep to me, as as Lakey alluded to earlier on, if I can call him Lakey now, having shared the, the air with him a few times. I don't know if I'm able to call him Lakey now, uh, but but just just for old old times' sake, I'll call him Mr. Lakey as my used to call him. Mr. Mr. Lake, Mr. Lake, we'll call him Mr. Paul Lake. Um, he said that that Pep sometimes wants to not not play players, so he'll play them, which is why we've seen Ake at left back and we've seen Stones at right back sometimes because he doesn't want to lose the attributional value with them players, but also um, you know wants to squeeze them in. And sometimes you can't play everyone you want to play. So in a three-five-two, you might want to want to maybe go back to a back three and then have wing backs and have like Rico and maybe I mean we've not just probably got Gomez, have we? Um, but but you'd have to say Cancelo. But I think stick with a four, maybe play a three. But as we've spoken about, we don't play like strict positions. So Kevin is brilliant in wide areas. That's where a lot of his crosses come from. He's 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 got an unreal amount of secondary pace, Kevin, where it's not his fundamental aspect. But as you see last night, he can properly get away from people. He's got a bit of IR touring where he can literally burst into life at any moment. Like he gets away last night from from um, I can't remember who it was in midfield for them. It might have been it might have been Ailing actually the fullback. And that was it. He was gone. Um, and there's only one thing going to happen. When Kevin gets off like a steam training and you know that there's a there's a, there's an 80% chance we're going to score and a 20% chance they're going to squander it. Um, but if Kevin plays on the right of a three in midfield, set the back four's done, whoever that may be, we're all going to debate about that. Bernardo plays on the other side of Rodri. And then you play, you know, maybe, um, you know, I don't know, maybe even Grealish in that number 10 in the hole and give him a free roll and let him do whatever he wants. He drift right, drift left, stay central. Maybe we get that aspect we're looking for from him. And def- definitely play Alvarez off Haaland because Alvarez isn't a rigid player. Haaland is Haaland, so he can do what he wants. Alvarez is great at running behind, as you saw for Argentina. He's fantastic at getting on the ball. He can dribble. He can, he can, he can pass. He can drift into wide areas. And he's somebody that I, I often look back to, Aguero and, and Negredo. I look at Aguero and Jekyll. Aguero, i.e. Alvarez now, and a Tevez even, was they were always very good at playing off a big man. But the big man we've got now in Haaland is much better all round than Edin Dzeko was, even though I was a big fan of him. Edin Dzeko could never do all the things that Haaland can do, whereas Haaland can do all that work. I think that Alvarez is like a Tevez regen. Everyone wants to call him like the Aguero second edition. He's much more like Tevez in the fact that he's a bit of a Rottweiler, doesn't leave you alone. He's always yapping at your heels. Great presser of a football, always determined, but brilliant at scoring goals. And I think that, that, that he, he can't not play in this team after what he did at the World Cup. So to fit him in this team, playing him off Haaland with maybe a Grealish behind him, and then a midfield three of Rodri, De Bruyne and Bernardo, as Paul eloquently said earlier on, I think going forward, say a 4-3-1-2 would be outstanding. Um, and like we said, you're not going to, even though people are going, well, what are you going to have out wide? Your Kevin and your Bernardo are going to go out wide, as well as your fullbacks in Cancelo and Lewis or Walker. And the fact we play fluid, um, I, I definitely would encourage us to play a front two. And I think Haaland and Alvarez are leaving everybody quaking in the boots. That's ridiculous, that front two. Ridiculous. Well, um, I just want to say a big shout out to Howard Solicitors again for supporting the podcast. Uh, they've got offices in Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So it's likely that if you need some help or guidance, then they'll have somebody to help. And you don't have to live in the Manchester or Cheshire area to make use of them. Howardsolicitors.com is their website. 0161 872 9999. I'm going to give the final word to Louisa. 
um, that, that I think the plan in terms of podcasts going forward, by the way, is I'm, uh, I'm hoping to do one on Sunday after the Everton game. And then the next one will be after the FA Cup tie against Chelsea. Um, so just so that if you're wondering when the next one's coming, because obviously we're at an odd time of the year to begin with and the games are on odd days of the week. I mean, next week City play on a Thursday, for example, um, which is not common because, um, you know, we play Wednesday and you play Thursday because I won't finish the song, but you know it. Um, so it is odd to be playing on a Thursday uh, as a City fan. So just marking your cards. So I'm going to give the final word of this um, this particular podcast to Louisa. And so glad to have you back, Louisa. We need to get you on while you're here, while you while we've got you. Um, so final word to you, Louisa. What do you want to say? Well, wow, uh, what a season already. Um, and I do not want to take anything away. No one's mentioned this yet from Leeds last night because they played solid and they will be staying up. They won't be going anywhere this season if they continue to play like that. And their manager is absolutely amazing and fantastic and has absolutely fairly and beautifully and eloquently praised Haaland, which which is what everybody should be doing right now, whether you support this team or not. Um, this is magic. This is a magic Manchester City, absolutely. Um, there's always room for change. There is always, you know, room for development. We're not perfect by any means. Uh, there's still a season to win. We haven't won it yet. <laughs> you know, we've, we've still got to work hard. There's some pretty amazing players coming out of that world cup tournament that are playing in this premier league we have some of them we're very special and we're very privileged to be city fans um and i cannot wait for the rest of this season to to roll itself out um and to be wearing this amazing blue shirt when we were champions in 2012 very eloquently and perfectly put and a great ending to the podcast. Um, all the best for the new year because the next one, the next podcast won't be until next year, 2023. So thanks very much for listening, downloading, sharing and all the nice comments that you make, which are really appreciated. Um, thanks very much, of course, to Paul Lakey Lake, who was with us before, uh, to uh, Harlan and to Louisa. And uh, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, because you've heard a lot, just remember this one thing, it's great to be a blue.